0: My name is Kelvin. I'm the interim pastor at New Life Brisbane. What is that? What is interim? Well, that means that I get the privilege of being here with you, serving you until, the, until we find, um, or until your permanent pastor begins. Um, and who is that person? We don't yet know. But the good news is God does, and the Joint Nominating Committee are working towards that as well. So we can just rest in that and just be excited for what God is actually doing in this season. For what he is doing, doing here with New Life Brisbane. So, um, I'm, I came onto staff not too long ago at New Life on the Gold Coast. Um, it was actually John Morris um, who employed me or who started having a chat and said how feel he called to, to ministry. So, John, good to have you here, brother. Um, so, John's our associate pastor at New Life Gold Coast. Um, so, yeah, good to have you here, John. So, what I love about New Life is many churches, but one family. Um, Three churches, one family, New Life Coolingatta, New Life Gold Coast, New Life Life, Brisbane, and God's doing amazing things amongst us, friends. So as Ella and Lauren have said already, our second birthday coming up on 21st of March works out really well, and it actually wasn't planned that way, um, that Michael's going to be preaching on that day. Michael, for those of you who are new, is our lead minister of New Life, um, and he was the pastor since inception Of New Life Brisbane. So it'll be a special day just to celebrate together as a family. So bring your friends, bring your family. It'll be fun. So this afternoon, I have the privilege of continuing our Genesis series. And we had Dr. Paul Jones um, take us through Genesis 1 last week, Katie's husband, um, where he not only reminded us of how bad we are at pronouncing Hebrew words, um, but he also reminded us of how God is a God of systems and patterns a God of restoration in how he restores something with a sense of purpose and that he has, along with his creation, created his spirit, his wind, his breath to blow into our chaos and bring order, his order. And then we had Aaron, who raised the bar even higher and reminded us that like Adam and Eve were created in God's image, so too have we been created in God's image. Meaning we are a visible representation showing the world what God is actually like and that he has invited us to be co-creators with him. So I feel it's now my responsibility to bring that bar down a level um, to that. So I will do that because Tim Hanna—no, I'm just kidding. Tim Hanna, I was going to joke and say I'll bring that bar down for Tim Hanna. Uh, but for those of you who know Tim Hanna, we definitely don't need to bring the bar down for him. Um, And Tim will be continuing our Genesis series next week. And we as a church are so blessed to have Tim, a part of this community in this season, who comes with a range of experience from um, a minister and and pastor of a number of churches, leading Gateway Baptist down the road, a good friend of ours, CEO of Compassion, and now walking with New Life, with Michael, through this transition. And he'll be continuing our Genesis series as we look at sin next week. So we've got a a lot to look forward to. So friends, before we jump into my message, what I feel God has put on my heart today for you, um, can we just pray together? Lord, thank you for your word. I thank you for the people, for the resources that you have placed in my life, Father, to help me with bringing this message today. Thank you for your spirit who guards us, who leads us. And I thank you, we thank you, that you will get across to us what you are wanting to say through me. We praise you, and we love you, and in your name we pray, amen. Amen. So friends, we don't have to look far to work out that things aren't actually going the way which they should be going. We don't have to open up our latest news app and see that things around the world aren't actually looking too positive. Or switch on the news and find the latest story isn't going to be something that's probably going to bring joy into our life. Why is that? Why is, or you might be asking, why is the world broken? Why is the world broken? So today I'm looking at Genesis 3, and we'll be looking at that together, and we'll be unpacking this, and hopefully by the end of going through Genesis 3 together, we will understand why the world is broken. So let's start. Let's jump right in Genesis 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. You will certainly not die. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And when they hid from him amongst the trees in the garden. But Lord God called to man and said, where are you? And Adam answered, I heard you were in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And God said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I command you not to eat from? Adam replied, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. Good on you, Adam. Passing the blame already. I should have put this in my notes. First thing own it. Own your tent. No, I'm just kidding. But that's this is a good one. Maybe I should have included that. So, friends, there's actually so much to unpack in this message that we're not actually going to be able to go into every single thing in the next two hours. Just kidding. In the next 30 minutes. So, for example, a talking snake. What? God walking through the garden. The Lord God walking through the garden. How was he walking? Why was he walking? Jesus wasn't here yet. Adam and Eve were naked. Why is that so important for us to know? Then they realized that. So there's just so much. Hopefully we will have time, and hopefully I'll be digging into a lot of that. But there's so much that I actually can't get into in this time. So I encourage you to do your own research. Go back. Ask the questions. For those Lauren or Ella already mentioned, Lauren mentioned, it's such a blessing to be reading the Word of God together. Some of you are going, that's a bit random. Why are you all reading the Word of God together? Well, one, we're a church, and we believe in the Word of God. Um, Two, the main reason why we're reading the Word of God together is because our lead minister, Michael Hans, a few weeks ago, came and spoke for our Vision Sunday. And he cast our 2021 vision. And as a church, as churches, what we feel, what he feels is God is calling us to read the Bible together in one year. And how we're doing that is with this beautiful booklet called Becoming. And it, the booklet breaks up the way that we'll be reading the Word of God together. And it has been an absolute blessing of hearing the stories and testimonies of people right across all our churches, just celebrating how God is showing them through, th- things through His Word. And I can be a testament to that as well. So I'm, I'll be more than happy to share my resources of, of what I've looked at, what we're looking at, and there's a number of, of us who are sharing the same thing. So if you're interested in that, come out and have a chat to us. And please, if you don't have one of these yet, make sure that you grab one on your way out because you too, our guarantee, will be blessed as you come apart on as you come onto this journey with us of, of um, exploring and reading God's Word with together. Also, If you don't want hard copy, um, I'm a big fan of online digital. We actually do have a digital version. Um, If there's not a link over there, it'll be church.nu slash becoming. Really easy, but come and have a chat to us afterwards. And another one. If the font's too small for you in this, which we've been told that it is too small, online, it's bigger for those of you who find that challenging. Okay, let's get back to the message. So with so much to unpack here, I've decided to actually break this message up into bad news and fantastic thank you Lauren you're following you will get a lollipop after the service Um, bad news and good news so let's go with the bad news and as always let's finish on the good news so the bad news is that the world is broken and the problem is at the center of ourselves now before you start throwing things at me let me carry on so many of you are probably asking this question what has gone wrong what has gone wrong with the world? And this is an important and crucial question to be asking of the human experience. Genesis 3 offers an explanation that is powerful, but at the same time, hard for our pride to hear. Because sin is the central issue that has brought chaos to God's order. That was for Paul. Please tell him I said that, because that was his quote. <laughs> so, what is sin? a really helpful understanding of sin is to know it is basically when we miss the mark. And in fact, that is actually the best translation of the word sin in its original Hebrew form, missing the mark. So whilst we don't see the word sin in this scripture, in Genesis 3, um, we'll actually come to see that next week when we look at Cain and Abel. This is where where we see the first, missing the mark, which takes place. And what is the mark that is missed here? Well, if Aaron highlighted as he did so well last week, we are called by God to represent His image as partners in ruling and caring for His um, creation. Then, ultimately, we are called to walk in relationship, of, in a relationship of trust with God as we walk out His purpose for us. I really butchered that, so I want to say that again. Ultimately, we are called to walk in a relationship of trust with God as we walk out His purpose for us. Did I get that right, Aaron? Thank you, brother. Now I lost my place. I shouldn't have done that. So what happens here in Genesis 3 is that the snake calls Eve to question, did God really say that? And what the snake or what many theologians would identify as Satan demonstrates here is that at the root of all the missing the mark or sin is a failure to believe that God is deserving and worthy of all our trust. So the serpent questions whether God is actually holding back from Adam and Eve, and he calls them to long to be just like him. That's what his temptation is is about, longing to be just like God. Side note... As created images of God, Adam and Eve were already created to be like Him. See, that moment of temptation that Adam and Eve came to, that what they did was they took their trust off of God's ability to create healthy boundaries for them, and they chose to eat of the tree of knowledge and good and evil. Why? Because they longed to determine what good and evil is for themselves ultimately demonstrating they don't trust God. So Satan tempted the human race to sin, but it was Adam and Eve who willingly chose to stop trusting God and miss the mark on their calling, their purpose, and their vocation. Do we not all at some stage in our life walk or take the mistake of not trusting God and choosing to be our own gods or our own saviors or our own lords and masters. And this is what it means to be descendants of Adam and Eve, to have inherited sin from them. Romans 5 verse 12, Therefore just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and in this way death came to all people because all have sinned. So unfortunately for us, this means... I've lost my place, sorry everybody. Unfortunately for us, this means that we have become sinners by nature. But what I want to focus on is that moments when we are facing sin, when we have an opportunity to decide whether we do what's right or whether we do what's wrong, which we know as Temptation. So when preparing this message, I felt we actually needed to remind ourselves that our struggles may be particular, but they certainly aren't unique. Every Christian or non-Christian or every human being in history has had to wrestle with sin, whether they know it was sin or not, or wrestle with their past or wrestle with the thought process of going, I feel a certain way which makes me want to do a certain thing, which I know is not right, or in the Christians, Christian's case, I know it doesn't honor God, so what do I do now? And in verse 1, the serpent asks, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? And then he says, it is obvious God knows your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. See, Satan was strategic here. He knew he would capture their attention by taking their focus off of God and putting it on their own self-interests. So yes, we have inherited a sinful nature. However, we can't go on looking at that website, talking about that person behind their back, staying in that unhealthy relationship, or we can just summarize that list by saying dishonoring God. We can't go on dishonoring God with whatever it is that we're doing and blame it on our inheritance from a brother from another mother. And this is why James 1:14 says tell us uh, sorry tells us sin is also, sin also comes from our own self-interests. Otherwise interpreted as our own selfish desires. So yep, it's on us guys. We can't blame it on someone else. It's on us. And Genesis tells tells us Eve noticed the food was pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom. Desirable. There was a season that I went through um, in my previous job um, with Bond University where my main responsibility was recruiting students from Africa and Latin America. And there was a season where um, I lost all focus of, way, of what God was wanting me to do in that role. And my own selfish desires took place of that, where I was just focusing on that next promotion. I was focusing on that next salary. I was focusing on that title. And with doing that, I neglected my times with God. I neglected my relationship with God. As a result of that, my heart became hard. I neglected time with my wife, and I wasn't the husband that I wanted to be to Dana. And I remember as ridiculous as this sounds, I came to this, I came to the stage where I was like, Lord, I cannot actually do this the way that I'm doing this without you. Because I realized that my heart was changing, so I was changing. And so I actually, I don't want, I came to this place where I actually lay on my study, our office floor, and I took, this sounds weird, but to me it was good at the time, I took my business card, or I felt it, I took my business card, put it on my chest, and I went, Lord, I actually just want to surrender, I want to surrender this, what I'm doing to you. I don't know why I did that, I don't know why I'm saying that, but I just felt that that's what I had to do in that moment, come back to God and go, you know what, Lord, it's not about that stuff, what are you wanting me to do? And that was well before I came into ministry, if you're wondering. (laughs) So we have to be careful to blame the devil every time we sin or every time we face temptation. Because it is our fallen, corrupted human nature that allows these temptations to take root and causes us to act on them. James 1.15, thereby giving birth to sin. Now, I know this sounds quite dark, but bear with me. We're getting to the good news. So let's go back to that moment of temptation. Why do we need to be aware of temptation? Why does Jesus warn us in Matthew 26, 41 to flee from temptation? We see Adam and Eve in Genesis. We see them hiding from God because of their shame. See, our friends' sin, our friends' causes us to hide. Then we see God asking, where are you? Where are you hiding? God's, this is God. God knows where they're hiding. He doesn't, need, he doesn't need to ask them where they're hiding. But the reason behind his question is God saying, you are not where you are meant to be. That's why he asked them, where are you? See, God created them to be with him, walking next to him. And friends, that's the same thing with us. Our sins, our actions, our words, our thoughts that dishonor God doesn't change the way God thinks of us. It doesn't change the way that He loves us. It doesn't change the position of God's view of us or of me. It changes us. It changes our hearts. We become shameful. We become, uh, we want to hide. Friends, we need to be more transparent, not only with God, but also with one another. I said earlier that our, our, our mistakes are particular, but they're not unique. We're all walking this journey together. And if someone comes to you and says, hey, I need help with this thing. Can you help me? And you go, bro, sister, what are you thinking? Why are you doing that? Yes, there's a time and a place for that. But how would God respond to that? Out of love. So that's what we need to be doing. We need to be walking with our brothers and sisters through this through this journey. So, let's move to the good news. And friends, the good news is that we don't have to do this alone. So maybe there's some of you here today who have experienced profound temptations in your life to not trust in God. Maybe you've walked, you, you've, you, like me, you've worked really hard for where you are today in your career, striving and striving and striving to the point where you've neglected God and, and your relationship with Him. You've neglected your friends and your family. Or maybe you shouldn't have signed that shady deal or made that decision which you knew at the time didn't dishonor God. Or maybe you are not a Christian here and you know what it feels like to miss the mark. You know you shouldn't be looking at that website or you shouldn't be um, talking to that person about whatever that you're talking to. Whatever it is, the list could go on. So today, I want to share three things. I want to finish with three things to help us with facing our temptations. That moment when we feel like we are tempted to to take our trust off from God and place it on ourselves. So let's look at each one of these together. Is that all right? You're still with me? Brilliant. So the first one is Jesus. Not only did Jesus bear the penalty for our sin, but he never became a sinner. His pure and perfect nature was untouched by sin. He was treated, though, as though he had committed sin. See, Jesus lived out the original calling of the Imago Dei, Dei, Dei to perfectly image God and care for his creation, enjoying God and glorifying him forever. So Christ did what Adam and Eve and you and I could not. And in exchange, God imputed the righteousness of Christ to us believers and created, credited our accounts with his righteousness. Just as he had credited our sins to Christ's account. 2 Corinthians 5.21, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So basically, friends, Jesus is representing us in the courtroom. Saying, "Uh uh-uh, not Jeremy, not Sandra, not Katie. I've taken this, I've done this. Don't punish them. They're free to go. And that's powerful, friends. That means we do not have to live under the bondage of sin. And that's it. That's simple. That's the good news. We don't have to live under the bondage of sin, which is also known as the gospel. That Jesus Christ died for us, died for you, us sinners, so that we can be free from the penalty and the power of sin. And what's the penalty of sin? Well, it's the inheritance of a just, righteous wrath of God for sinning against the Holy God. Just think about that for a second. Jesus took on our sin, and God displayed and poured out His wrath on His Son so that we can be set free from His wrath, which was rightly deserved and assigned to us, and we've been set free from the power of sin. Romans 6.22, set free from the power of sin. So the question we all need to ask today is, have I actually asked Jesus to forgive me for those moments where I've missed the mark? That I might walk, walk with God again in the cool of the day as He as He as his restored image and caretaker of creation. So the good news doesn't mean, unfortunately, the good news doesn't mean that it's over and we will never have to face temptation again. Is a reason why Jesus warns us that it is a narrow road and only a few will find it. Because friends, if it wasn't a narrow road, we'd have more people walking on it. And coming to Jesus or following Jesus does not mean that we aren't going to face temptations again or we aren't going to face challenges again. So the reality is, because you are in Christ, it does not mean you aren't going to face temptations anymore. And we saw that with Adam and Eve. God was walking right next to them, and we saw with Jesus in the desert after he fasted, still facing temptation, See, by falling for that thing, whatever it is, by falling for that temptation, we're basically saying, "Ah, there we go, that thing basically makes us feel more whole than the one who created us. And that's impossible, guys, because how can something replace our Creator? And if we really get to the root of our sin, what we're saying is, all these other things are better than God, and it's putting false idols first. That thing that we want when facing temptation does not have, to, does not have the ability to satisfy you. We think it will. We think it will give us peace. We think it will give us joy. But friends, we all know that it doesn't. We all know that it's only God who can give us that. It's only God who can answer our prayers. It's only Him who can meet our needs. He can meet your comforts, remove your anxiety, give you joy. It's only God. See, the world tells us that we need to be accumulating things in order to fill that void. In order to fill that space, we need this, we need that, we need a better car, we need another degree, we need a better business idea, we need a better job, a better title, better clothes. I don't know, the list can go on. Friends, the world tells us to keep accumulating things to fill that space, but only God can fill that space. This is where my brother-in-law would say, yeah, but a motorbike, Calvin, I don't know. Only God. So this brings me to my second point. Or so you may be thinking, that's great. We know the facts. Some of us know the facts, but some of us actually don't know the facts, Well, then hopefully this second point will be helpful for you. To combat temptation, we need to use His Word. So if the Son of God uses the Word of God to effectively end temptations, which He faced in Matthew 4, verse 1 to 11, then how much more do we need to use God's Word to resist our own temptations? And we know it works because after three failed efforts, the the devil left Him. Colossians 3 verse 2 says, Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on earth. If our minds are filled with the latest TV shows, unhealthy music, latest social media influencer, and all the rest culture has to offer, then we'll be bombarded with messages and images that end up leading us to sinful desires. But if our minds are filled with the majesty and the holiness of God, the love and compassion of Christ, all this reflected in his perfect word, we will find that our minds and our interests and our desires will diminish. But without his words influence on our minds, on our lives, we are open to Satan teaching us to question the very thing that we should be reminded of daily. The words, the truth, and promises of God. So we can only recognize and combat temptations by saturating our hearts and minds with the truth, the sword of the Spirit. So, thirdly and lastly, Tim is obviously telling me I need to get off stage by turning off my mic. Thank you, brother. His ruach. And we heard that word last week, which Paul taught us to pronounce his ruach. God gives us, and only I will say it because I am literally spitting on my screen. God gives us the power to walk away from temptation by giving us his ruach, his spirit, his breath, his wind. The same breath of God that hovered over the water water in Genesis 1 verse 2, about to bring order to chaos, lives in us and is with us. So it is the power of the Holy Spirit that enables us to free ourselves from the sin and temptations that we struggle with in our daily lives. It's the Holy Spirit, friends. And if we have the Holy Spirit residing in our hearts, we already have what it takes to resist the flaming arrows that the devil wants to send our way. And as Paul told us in Galatians, live by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of your sinful nature. We need to be living by the Spirit. When I was preparing this, a, um, a story, a, a, story a, um, a moment came to mind where my wife and I had just moved over from South Africa and we had gone to a second-hand dealer to purchase our first cars, we came over and um, we found the car, we knew it was the one, so we were signing the deal with them and the dealer came over to us and said to us, all right, so it's a, it's a second-hand car, it's a little private dealer. He said, I can write whatever value of the car that you want on here, so you can pay, you can pay less stamp duty. My wife and I were like, like gold dollars, do, 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 do. awesome. Just come over from Australia. We're still working off the rand. Like our, the rand is our base value, and if those who don't know, it's like one uh, one rand to a sorry ten rand to a dollar, which is insane. So when we came over, we're like, yes, yeah, a few hundred dollars. That's gonna. That's quite a decent amount in our bank account we can keep. And something in our spirit said, ah, this is not right. So friends, we 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 found our place in this moment of temptation and where we had to face what was right or what was wrong. And we knew we needed help with that, so we made two phone calls. One of those phone calls, literally the, guy, the guy, person who we called, said to us, "Nah, we're fine, so many people do it, you're still paying the government, it's fine, it's a few hundred dollars, won't make any difference. The other person said, I think you know what to do. So we hung up the phone and we just prayed, and we felt God guide us and give us the strength to say, actually, you know what? We want to pay what you've advertised this car for, and we want to pay what we have to pay for stamp duty. So friends, in that moment, by relying on his ruach, we had the power to resist that temptation by going to the Lord and asking him for his, for his help. See, by laying that thing at his feet, we managed to make the right decision and represent God well in that moment and have experienced joy ever since. We didn't in that moment because we realized we were a few hundred dollars down in our bank account, but later we did. And instead of conviction, shame, guilt, we got to experience joy, peace, and His love, knowing we honored God with that decision. And I know it's a small story and a simple one, but this is usually how it works, doesn't it? The right decision is usually the harder one. And only if we rely on God's strength, on His Spirit. Can we make the right decision? Later, we came to find out that that dealer had just started going to church because we went back to him. He did a good job for us. We went back to him to get a second car. And somehow he found out that we were Christians, and we went to church, and we loved the Lord, and he was taking his family to church, and he was excited that he had just started going to church. Can you imagine if we did take the shortcut? How would we have then represented God? So friends, please hear my heart. I'm not saying that as we, as we start going on this journey and with God and relying on His Holy Spirit that we're never going to face temptation again. I'm not saying that at all. But what I am saying is, is let's be reminded that we are able to resist temptation because God is bigger and better than that temptation that we are facing. And He has sent His Son to take the punishment for our sin, which is so freeing. So as the band comes up, we're going to continue worship in a minute, and as always, we will have people available to pray for you and pray with you. However, you may be sitting there thinking, there is no ways that I can have God's power and His Spirit when I have done or am doing the things that I'm doing. Calvin, if only you knew. Or maybe you're sitting there thinking, I know God, I know know He loves me. I know I have His ruach, His Spirit, to walk away from temptation, but I keep going back to that thing. Friends, I want to tell you that God knows. And there is nothing, absolutely nothing, that you can do to stop loving you nothing you can do for God to stop loving you he loves you and he has a plan for you he's just waiting for your permission so God as I said earlier God is bigger and better than the temptation that we are facing and he's taken the punishment for our sin by nailing that thing to the cross in the form of his son who took that upon himself for us so will you give him permission today? Those two people, whether you feel like you keep coming back to that thing or you're sitting there going, man, I need that ruach, that strange word that he says, I need that spirit in my life. So friends, can I ask you to do two things? Actually, the first one's a statement. Can you bow your heads and close your eyes? And secondly, if that was you, If you want to make things right with God today, I'd love for you to raise your hand with me. Not for me to see, not for anyone else to see, but for you to make that commitment before God today. For you to feel those emotions, feel those nerves, those butterflies, knowing you're making a decision and a commitment to change today for Christ. Friends, I don't remember that moment in church because I've done it a number of times where I've said in my mind, yes, that's me, and I've repeated the prayer. I don't remember that moment, but I remember that moment where I've raised my hand because I felt those nerves, and I made a decision on that day to say, God, no more. No more. I don't want to be chasing that thing. I want to be chasing you. So friends, I encourage you to raise your hand. If that's you, if you feel that, if you feel God nudging you on your heart, raise your hand and go, Lord, that's enough. Awesome. That's awesome. Thank you, Lord. So let's pray, and you can repeat after me. Lord, I know I have done wrong. I know I cannot keep going the way that I am going. I need you. Thank you for sending your son to die for me so that I can live free from the bondage of sin. Lord, come into my life and help me to become more like Jesus. Amen. Friends, if you prayed that prayer for the first time, for the second time, for the fifth time, we would love to connect with you. We're now going to go into a time of worship, and a few of us will stand on the side there to be able to pray with you. So if that's you, I encourage you to come for prayer. Not so that we can judge you. Not so that we can find out and point fingers. No. So that we can pray with you and remind you of what your heavenly Father wants to say to you today. So let's worship.